and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, and you know the drill on the screens if you're running them. We're going to look at this in the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 3, in verse number 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. He's talking about, yeah, I, I, hear, so, <laughs> I hear so many preachers preach this about money. Uh, I get it. That's not what it's about. Uh, This is not, there's plenty of financial verses about giving and receiving. This, though, is talking about you are something that is being planted in. That there is nothing you are hearing or watching or listening to that is without consequence in your life. That you are, when you're listening to me preach or when you're watching a movie or listening to music or listening to an audio book or reading a business book, it is getting in you. And sometimes that belief is being planted other times it's being watered, meaning like, I've heard that before, but you, you, you know, you're listening to it again. It's like, I read that before, but you keep reading it. It's watering seed that's there. And it says that, those words, that movie, that message, that book, it was seed. And it's watered, and eventually there's going to come a time in your life where God is going to reveal the seed that has been sown. God gives the increase. And so it keeps going here. He's talking about you. He's talking about your heart and your life. So then neither is the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. He's talking about him and Apollos. He's like, don't make me bigger than Apollos or Apollos bigger than me. We're we're both serving the Lord, but God who causes the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. He's saying, like, we work together. Like, it's it's not me versus him. We're working together to, to water things and plant things in you. But then he says, each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. So he says, like, don't pick favorites, but also know God will reward you based off of the seed you sow in others. Then he goes on and says this, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Now watch this in the Amplified. For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with you. You are God's garden and vineyard. And filled under cultivation, you are God's building. Now, notice that you are God's garden. And that's been the title of this series, You Are God's Garden. And the question that we've been asking is this, what does a garden grow? Yes, I hear some people who have been here, listen to the podcast. A garden will only grow what is planted in it. What does a garden grow? What is planted in it, period. Uh, If you've got a garden at home and it's a watermelon garden, it's going to grow watermelons. If that's the seed that you sowed, you can't be shocked. You can't be like, oh my gosh, we got watermelons. It's like, well, that's kind of what you planted. That's what you watered. It's not going to produce oranges. It it produces what you plant in it. And so many times in our lives, what, what he's saying here is like, you're shocked by what's coming out of you. And he says, this is a direct result of what you put in you. 
Like if you, if you have all of these things coming out of you, it's because at some point in your life it came into you. And we said now that you're an adult, you get to pick what goes. It's the greatest advantage you have. You genuinely get to pick what you allow in you, which is why I said two weeks ago, I am pumped up about my future. And you know why I'm pumped up about my future? I know God's got a plan for me, but I'm telling you, I'm pumped up about my future because I know the seed I'm planting in me. Um, And that's the advantage you get. If you don't like what you're producing financially, you got to change what you're putting into you through your eyes and your ears about money. you got to change your belief systems there. Uh, you got to change some things of, of how you're handling it. You're not going to change that until you put different seed in you. If you've got anger things that are coming out of you, if you've got lustful things that are coming out of you, it's like, I hate it when I produce that. Change what comes into you. You cut out the input, you'll cut out the output. And so he said, you've got, also got to be patient with yourselves. And this is incredibly important because many of you are reaping seeds that are reaping harvests that have been sown in past seasons. Because we said there was even a season in your life, and we talked about this last week, there was a season in your life where you couldn't control what was sown in you, that you were a child, and you didn't get to pick what house you grew up in, and many of those things that were put in you and how you were trained were not right, and you didn't depart from it. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. You were trained as a child. Every one of you were trained as a child. And when you get old, he says it's very hard to walk away from the seed that was sown in you. Because that seed was sown into you for 16, 17, 18, 14, 13 years. And out of that, you saw a consistent way of living. And so we said, you've got to evaluate those things and to ask, did you like what that produced in them? And then also ask, do I like what it's producing in me? And if not, judge those things and get new seed in you in those areas. That you can't control your heritage, what was passed down to you, but you can control your legacy, what comes out of you. Can I get an amen? I cannot control what they did in the generation before me that got passed to me, but I can control what I pass to the next generation, and we will. Now, the thing that I want to major on to close this is not the fact that you are a garden. I feel like we have established that fairly well. Uh, And like you're realizing more and more, I have got to be more mindful about what I put before my eyes and my ears. And I got to question what's already there. I got to question what's in my heart and get some good beliefs in me. But here's the thing that the Lord's been convicting me on. In fact, when I mentioned that this morning, for those of you who are here this morning, I talked about like, correct me, Lord. This is what he corrected me over. You are God's garden. So we've established the fact you are a garden. And the question I really want to ask now to end this, are you God's garden? Uh, So uh, for me, I I mentioned that today. I was reading Hebrews 12. Let's go look at it. We're so close. We might as well. Uh, You know, so many times we quote these things and, and you think people know, but they don't. Uh, And even if we do know, let's water the seed that's already there. Hebrews 12 in verse 4, I was just meditating on Hebrews, uh, really reading chapter 11 for somebody that I was praying for uh, to just stand in faith. And I just kept reading over into 12, and I got to verse number 4. You have not resisted to the point of shedding of blood in your striving against sin. <laughs> so notice, we should be striving against sin. And he is saying, like, you haven't gotten to that point where it's like you're, you're shedding blood and like your fight against it. Uh, And he said, you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked by him. 
For those whom the Lord disciplines, he scourges every son he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children. Whoa. Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall not much more the rather be subject to the Father of Spirits. Now, let's just stop right here and just for fun, let's just play with this uh, and make you examine yourself because that's the point of the Word of God. It's to be a mirror. You're to see yourself in this. So let's look at this in verse number 9 again. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of Spirits? Now, question. Does the Father of Spirits, it's talking about the Lord here, does it, is what you watch subject to him? Now, if you are God's garden, God's garden, is what I watch subject to him? Um, Is what I listen to genuinely subject to him? Is God the, the bouncer at the door of my heart? And it's like, no, we're not letting that in here. Does it become subject to, seriously, I, I want you to examine your heart in this. Like in light of Hebrews, this is written to us, this is New Testament. Are we subject to the Father of Spirits? Is where I go, is my environment subject to the Father of Spirits? If I am God's garden, the answer to that is, of course, if I am not God's garden and I'm still my own garden, the question is that, the answer to that question is, I just never ask. I just, I never ask him if I should watch that. I never ask him if I should date that. <laughs> I, I just didn't run it by him. And we know to acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct our paths. But this is what Hebrews 12 is talking about is becoming disciplined by him. Placing ourselves under his discipline. Because how does Hebrews 12 start? It's saying you're running a race and the reason why you're not making progress is not because you're not on path. He said the reason why you're not making progress is weights and sins that are still in your life. And so he's saying, like, the reason why you're still frustrated with you is not because God isn't with you. He is with you. The reason why you're frustrated with you is these weights and sins so easily, he says, ensnare you, betangle you. And so you're getting tripped up in the same things over and over again. And he's trying to help them see why. And he says, like, don't think this is strange. He's like, you're not at this place where you're you're shedding blood trying to get free from this stuff. And he says, you need to understand that your heavenly father is looking to discipline you. And he said, you had earthly fathers who came and said, like, you got to be home by 12. You had earthly fathers, like I I tell my daughter, like, you better call me when you leave that place. And you better, like, I'm checking in on Life 360. I see you are breaking the speed limit, young lady. Like, all of those types of things. It's a dream being a parent now. Like, I get technology in one way has made their life more difficult. It's made mine so easy. I'm like, I can see everything you Google. I can see everything you look at. I can, I, my buddy was telling me the other day about an app I can put on my phone, uh, my kids' phones that literally tells me the words they're texting. Like, any word that comes up, like pick or something like that. 
like that will alert me. It's called bark. It barks at you. Like on this whole, I'm like, this is wonderful. Uh, and I, of course, my kids are like, ah, but I'm like, yeah. But, but why? They're under my subjection, and I'm doing it because I care for them. And he said, like, I understand that you had some fathers who didn't. Like, you had some fathers who disciplined you according to their own pleasure. Meaning, um, like, and me and my wife had this rule for our kids. We will never tell, tell our kids no if it's just inconvenient for us. And we will reserve our no's for only things that are dangerous. Period. And so we say yes a lot more than other parents say, say yes. I can promise you that. And we've got parents who are amazed at what we say yes to. Uh, you know, and that kind of thing. Because I also want to train my children. I trust you and I trust the spirit of God inside of you. Anyway, it's not a parenting lesson. But here's my point. You know what that's like. Even if you don't have kids, you were a kid. And he said, this is what, you know, God's trying to convey to us. He's like, you had fathers you were subject to. And he's like, am I not a father? And are you subject to me? And he's saying, you had bad fathers who did it for your, you know, their own pleasure, meaning not always did they have your best interests at heart. But he says, that's not me. And watch what he says here in verse number 10. They disciplined you for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his what? In his holiness. And so, like, one of the things that you kind of know what he's going to allow or not allow in your life is, is it holy? And, like, if it can't pass the holiness test, he's saying it should not pass the eye test. And I know this is, like, where the rubber meets the road, but I'm also talking about this is why very few people know him. Um, But if you will come to this and allow this to be like, you know what? I'm not just a garden. I think I've been bought with a price. I think my life is not my own. I think Jesus is my Lord and not just my Savior. Like, and I, I think also, like, if there's anyone who ought to be able to tell me yay or nay on what I should do, it's the one who made the universe and died for me. And that I trust, and we, we sing this song, and I actually like it because it's good to remind yourself of it. And when we first start singing, I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, because there's just so many, you know, it's a short time of like what you can actually sing. And it's like, I just really like talking to him um, and that type of thing. But, but one of the things that it's, it's like your leadership is perfect. And I think that it's so healthy for you to remind yourself of that, that his leadership really is perfect. And that the enemy really does want you to, to, to think, just like he did Eve, that if God is telling you don't eat that, it's not holy, that God is actually trying to keep you from something. And if you submit to everything he wants you to do, you won't have any fun and you'll be miserable the rest of your life. And the truth is, is that for him to come into your life, you are going to take up your cross daily to walk with him. And when you first do that, it is going to be hard to come underneath his discipline. Because there's no crucifixion that's like, I can't wait to do that. But he said this, and I love this, it's not when you die you become disciplined. When you get on the cross you become disciplined. He says, and this is the trick of the enemy, he wants to leave this part out. It's like, take up my cross daily. So much so you have people wear a cross, but then not live in subjection to the Father of Spirits. That, that, like, literally, if you're taking up your cross daily and following him, he says, if you die, that's when you will live. 
Like on the other side of that death, like what Jesus did is symbolic. When he died, he came out risen and resurrected in a a life that was not before. And if you die, that's when you come alive. And that's when this world comes alive and his voice comes alive and his plan comes alive. So much of the best things in my life that give me more life and joy and peace than anything. Today, today, I'll give you an example in my life. Okay, years ago, I made a decision. God's the, the, the Lord of my eyes. He's the Lord of my heart. You are the Lord, the Lord of my life. I love that song, too. Like, you cannot say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit getting involved. It's a wonderful song. Uh, so out of that, like, one of the things I saw even today is John and, uh, and Carolina. We love them. He's our online campus pastor. It's baby Amanda's birthday today. Baby Amanda and Ben share the same birthday. It's my dream they get married. They're way far apart. Like, way, way far apart. I don't care. Uh, like, I just, I see it. I see it. I'm like, I would love to have them a part of my family. Uh, anyway, so, but they share the same birthday. Uh, and so we were filming a video, all me and the kids and Pep for uh, them, you know, singing happy birthday to her, uh, baby Amanda. She just turned two today. And so out of that, we're, we're doing this. And I see all my family there and none of them want to leave my room. I got a 17-year-old daughter. I got a 16-year-old son. I got an 11-year-old son. They're all in my bed and no one wants to get out of it. I, I literally had to like pull myself out of it to come here. Like, I can't even tell you how rich the blessing of the Lord is with no sorrow when you do this thing right. But you know when it started? And people don't understand this. You know when it started? When I made a decision, he's the Lord of my life. I'm not letting anything before my eyes or ears that would not be holy or righteous before him. And you know what it led to? I know him. And so when I met my wife was after a season of praying in the Holy Spirit for hours a day, simply because, not even because I was trying to find the plan. I just really liked him that much. And I came alive to not just him, but alive to what he had for me. And everything he showed me in that vision, like that's what was in my room today. But this is what he's saying. It's like you had fathers who only disciplined you because it made their life easier. He says, I am disciplining you to bring you into the life I have for you. And if you do not allow me to be the God of your garden, then you won't really see the life I have for you because there's some seeds that will never get sown in you. So for me, this this is where I'm at. And it keeps going here, and then I'll explain what he told me the other day. Uh, He says, I love this part because it's the truth. Verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Watch this. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, and I love that it put this in here. It's like when you're allowing God to be the, the, the guardian of your, not galaxy, but garden, when you're allowing God to like be the, the bouncer at the door of like not everything gets into her heart. Not everything gets in before her, before her eyes. And we said it a couple of weeks ago, others may, but like in this season, it's like God's saying, but you will not. What's well, okay for them? I know. But I know what I'm trying to create with you. 
And he says, I get it. Like when you start making these changes to your life, it's not going to be fun. It's going to seem like it's sorrowful. It's like, oh gosh, like what? I can't, are you serious? And you're going to walk through all of these things. But he said afterwards, watch what it yields. Watch what it yields. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, and once again, what have we been talking about? You've been trained. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit. Do you see? You're a garden. And he's saying, when you allow me to purge out anything from sowing bad seed in you, and you allow me to be the only thing who is putting seed into your heart, all of a sudden you will begin eating a different fruit and it will give you peace. Now, peace to you sounds like a, a day where you're like sitting on the, the balcony and looking at, you know, waves or whatever it may be. That's wonderful. That's not that. You know what this peace means? Shalom. And you know what shalom means? Nothing missing, nothing broken. And here's what happens. We don't allow God to to be the bouncer. We don't allow Jesus to be Lord. And we want to keep control over our garden. And you know what happens? There's all this stuff we allow into our hearts that has all kinds of spirits. Like one of the things he wrote to the church at Corinth, he's like, you didn't even know it, but when you were there, you were fellowshipping with demons. He's like, you didn't even know it. Because like for them, it wasn't like, don't go to the club and listen to that music. Uh, for them, it was like, don't go back to the religion you were and get around their sacrifices. Now, they weren't even offering the sacrifices. They were Christians. But they would go into the cultural centers where the sacrifices were. And they would kind of hang around it. He's like, you didn't even know what you were doing. But you were around demons. And not everything came from the kingdom of light, but it has a creation. It didn't just come. It has a creation. It's either from the kingdom of light or it's from the kingdom of darkness. It's either from the the maker of heaven and earth or it's from the world. And out of that, there are times and seasons where God is trying to bring intimacy to his people. And he says, enough. Others may. You may not. I'm trying to talk to you. And if you will allow me to be the Lord of your life, that you are my garden, you will see you will eat the fruit of peace where nothing is missing and nothing is broken in your life. And if that doesn't top it off, he gives an example of this. And watch the example that he gives in verse number 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no bitterness springs up. Notice the springing up. Uh, All of this is garden language, fruits springing up, roots, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, but it may be defiled. And watch this, that there be no immoral or godless person. Uh, Immoral is the lack of morals. So like when when something is moral, it just means it operates within a certain code of boundaries, that it has convictions, it has morals, and so when I'm walking according to my morals, I am not overriding the convictions of my heart. Esau is, in the Old Testament, a type and shadow of a man who overrode the convictions of his heart. Am I a man who is overriding the convictions of my heart? Am, Am I a woman who is overriding the convictions of my heart? Esau was a man who overrode the convictions of his heart. He was immoral. His morals could not constrain him. One of the saddest scriptures to me, like ever, and like I could never imagine saying this to one of my sons. It's so sad. It's in the book of Genesis. 
Jacob comes to his son Reuben, and he says, you know what you're like, Reuben? He's like, you're like water in hands. And you, you put water in your hands, and you can hold it there long enough, but eventually it seeks through the cracks. And he's like, because of this, you will not prosper. Like, I cannot imagine speaking that level of truth over and into my son. And I can't imagine Reuben standing there as a man hearing this from his father. But I want you to get the principle. Like, if you don't allow structure to come into your life, he's like, if, if water can seep out of the cracks in your heart, you will never be able to see the progress that you need to see in, in life. That is symbolic of what here it is saying in Hebrews 12, that you will never be able to run the race God has for you with these weights and sins there. And so you've got to see God addresses you as son to talk to you about those things so that you can run. You are his garden. And he says, I want you to think about Esau who was immoral, and I want you to think about Esau who is godless. So you, you've met people who are morally convicted, but they're not walking with God. Like they have a certain set of morals in their life that makes them like good people. So he says, okay, you've got that, maybe, but are you godless? And, and, and if I am godly, what that means is, is I don't just know the Lord, but in progressively walking through him, I'm, I'm turning over my decisions to him. My decisions, the, the more Lord he is in my life, the more he is controlling what I do. What I watch, I'd go as far as to say what I eat, what I do with my time, what I do with my mind, what I, 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 I spend my time on. He controls my mouth. He does not let me talk about certain people or things any old way I want to. Um, uh, he, he begins to convict my heart. Like, it's not just now a certain set of morals that my parents taught me. Now God is in my life, and I'm running these decisions through God, and, and all of a sudden I'm just yielding more and more to the Spirit. And so I'm asking, like, should I say this? Uh, should I say this? Like the other day, I was joking with, with Boston. He's been grounded for a little while. And so uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things. He's got a math test on his door that has 25 on it. Uh, and he made a 25. I didn't put it there. He put it there as conviction of like study next time so you can play video games. Uh, so, but anyway, he put it there. But Reese was walking down the steps and Reese is like, my, I have no, like Reese, like she got grounded actually this weekend she didn't even know what that meant. Like, hey, it's been so long. She's just so responsible. I'm like, this is actually good for you. Uh, so, but like, she's walking down the steps and I'm like, it's good to see you. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm messing with her. And so I'm like, you better be kind. Or you're going to be grounded another weekend and feel just like Boston. And so Boston's standing there. He's like, hey, I'll see you in the locker room on, on Monday morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're messing with it. But the Lord convicted me. He's like, don't poke fun of him. And so I came over to him, and like he corrected my speech, convicted my speech. Well, I'm subject to the Father of Spirits. He has the right to do that. I'm his garden. But not only that, Boston's his garden. I don't get to talk to him any old way I want to talk to him. He's got a father who's greater than me. Uh, and so out of that, Esau is immoral and godless, like Esau. He sold his own birthright for a single meal. And you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit a blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, even though he sought it with tears. Meaning, and I want you to get this, once again, this is New Testament. 
Esau is the example here. He's the poster child for a godless, immoral life. God has no control. He's not subject to the father of spirits. Like all of this is tying back into Esau. We looked at Jacob last week. Here it says, I want you to see Esau. He came to a place when he got older in life. And when he looked at his life, he wanted to change it. But it did not change because there was a time in his life because he was immoral and because he was godless that he lost some things there that could not come into his life in this season because God was never in control of his actions. And and out of that, it cost him, even though he sought it with tears. And this is here as a warning and as a guidepost to you of like, it's it's not saying like, God's going to get you if you mess up. It's saying, no, 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 no. God tried to warn him from stepping into things that he never should have stepped into. He tried to protect his heart from, to, make, to not make choices that would take things out of his life. But he was never subject to God's discipline because he thought God was only trying to make him sorrowful with discipline instead of seeing that while discipline is sorrowful, God is always doing it for your peace, meaning you come to a place, Esau, where you look at your life and you see nothing is missing and nothing is broken instead of everything is missing and everything is broken because I did it, Sinatra, my way. And and I want to encourage you, like in your own life, are you subject to the Father of Spirits? So the other day, I'm reading Hebrews 12, uh, and I'm there, and like I said, I'm I'm looking at this, and like I, I talked about today, in our relationship with God, it should never be just like, God, here's all the things I want you to do. Uh, it's a, a marriage-type relationship. God, God came to show us that God's our father and God's our husband. Uh, so these are the two kind of roles of the Lord. And, and out of this, he has, if I'm drawing close with him, my kids will tell me like what they want for dinner or what they want for Christmas, or in this case, Ben told me what he wanted for his birthday. But I'm also telling them constantly what I need them to do and what I need them to see. And, and what I'm asking, like, in your life is how much access are you giving God to those things? Of, like, Father, look at my life, my time. Do you like how I'm spending it? Father, look at my music. Do you like what I'm looking at? Look at my watch history. Do you like what you see? Um, look at my friendships. Do you like what we talk about? Like, genuinely saying, Father, I am your garden. I'm not just a garden. I am God's garden. I want to be subject to you. And so I came to God, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay, God, like genuinely, it's been a long time since I felt rebuked by you. And I don't say that from a place of spiritual pride. I, said, I say that because it's like genuinely, I want to see these things. And so I just sat down with it, and I'm like, show me. And so, like I said today, he, he showed me something. I sat there for like 30 minutes, and I'm like, I'm not leaving until you rebuke me. Like, I know I'm not perfect. And, and, and somebody said, like, why did it take 30 minutes? It's never on God's end. It's always on your end. Like, to, to be at a place where you're like Mary and nothing is breaking your focus and not Martha, 
I, I was telling the staff on Tuesday, I'm singing that song, I'm caught up in your presence. I'm literally walking around the neighborhood, caught up in your presence, you know, that kind of thing, you know, the, the Cody Carnes song. I found a version by Rick uh, Pino, though, and man, like, it got me. And so I'm thinking about, I'm caught up in his presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm thinking like Mary, and I'm like, I am caught up in so many other things on a daily basis than like his presence. I never want to leave. I have been in services where I'm like, how much longer is this going to take? Because I'm caught up in what I'm going to eat for dinner, or I'm caught up in a sports game, or I'm caught up in any of these other things. And, and so anyway, but it, it takes a minute to disengage from what you're caught up in. And to walk with the Lord, this is actually, none of this is what I was going to talk about. I actually was going to talk about this book, uh, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, uh, you know, they talk about abandonment. And this is what it takes, though, to hear from God. It's like you get to this place where your mind has abandoned everything but him. And I'm telling you, that's harder than it sounds. And you know this because how many times have you sat down to like have a morning devotional and before you know it, you're checking your credit card and how much you spent yesterday, right? And so like we don't abandon, we take vault for our life. And the more your mind has those things on it, the, the, the less you are from hearing that still small voice. You have to abandon those things and release it. And it takes, it takes a process. And so I'm sitting there for 30 minutes working to get to this place of abandonment where I'm more like Mary, I'm sitting at your feet, than I am like Martha with a thousand other things I feel like I have to do. And when I finally got still enough, the Lord spoke to me, and I'm like, I see that. And it's so simple. It's about my workout programs. Like, genuinely, um, I found a workout program that I really liked last year, but I never ran it, ran it by the Lord. And honestly, I didn't think I had to. And I don't know if that sounds strange, but it's like a big part of my life is my father died at 44 of a heart attack. Like genuinely, cardio matters to me. And I thought like in doing these things of, um, you know, this had good cardio. And like I was being pushed there with, with cardio. And the Lord showed me this. And he's like, there's a lot there. We, we said this last week. You want to change your life? Check your environment, your associations, what influences you. And so he pulled those things up. That's why I mentioned it last week, environment, association, influence. He's like, look at the environment. What do you see? Look at the associations you're developing there, and look at the influences you have there. What there is pointing you to me? I'm like, well, there's a lot of music that's not pointing me to you. But I'm like, I'm not really listening to it. It's just helping me run. And then I'm looking at, like, the associations, and I am super competitive, like, to a flaw. Like, I can't even play staff games anymore. I can't because after every st- – I can't because after every staff game, I'm like, I don't like you anymore. I want to crush you, like, genuinely. I genuinely would like to crush you right now. Uh, like, that kind of thing. I'm so competitive. Uh, and it's not healthy for me. It brings out the flesh, and I don't like who I am uh, when that happens. And I see, like, competition is driving in me, okay? Like, my associations are there, and then influence is there. It's like there's not a lot of things there that are leading me anywhere to you. And, and it was like, then why are you doing it? I'm like, to get in shape? He's like, that's the only way to get in shape? He's like, check it by me. And so I just kept running it through my heart, and I knew others may. I may not. 
And so I found a path out of that that I, I feel like for me is right, but it has him in it. And I know this is incredibly simple, but this is, this is what lordship looks like. You remember what, what, Jesus told the Lord, or what Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, when you were a young man, you got to go wherever you wanted. When you were a young man, you got to do whatever you wanted. But he said, as you're embracing this journey of lordship, you're not going to get to do that. And he looks over at John and he's like, what about him? Because <laughs> isn't that what we want to do? They're watching it. They're doing it. They're listening to it. It can't be bad. And God's like, let me deal with them. I'm, Peter, I'm talking to you. That when you were young, you got to do whatever you wanted. But now you're going to a place, and we know he ended up with, on a cross upside down. That you're not in control of you anymore. And that's where I want to be. I want to be God's garden. And I sense like God, even in my own life, calling me just to a deeper place. And I don't know what that looks like. Honestly, I don't really care. I, I don't, I, I'm at that place now where I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. Um, I've, I've just done it long enough where it just doesn't matter to me. Uh, but, but I'm at that place where one thing is certain, like never before, I want to know him. And so I, I'm getting more and more what Paul said. I will count all of this other stuff, and I'm not even going to use the word. I'll just say as trash. Seriously, I will count it as trash. It means nothing to me. For the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and the power of his resurrection. And I, I never would have imagined it would give me that, like that moment that I, I said I had today, just before coming here. Genuinely in my life right now, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. I don't have one broken relationship with any one of my children. They love me, and I love them. My, my, my relationship with my wife, I don't say this to brag. I say this to, to tell you it's worth it. My relationship with my wife, there is nothing missing. There is nothing broken. My relationship with myself, there is nothing missing. There is nothing broken. The provision that God is able to showcase in my life, there is nothing missing. There is bro- nothing broken. The health that God shows my family, there is nothing missing. There is nothing broken. Why? I'm eating the fruits of peace. And when I look at it, I know it's because God loves me, but I I think it goes back to some strategic decisions that he led me in of like, Joel, just let me be God of your garden. And even if you don't understand why you can't work out there, just trust me. But run everything through Let me be God of your garden. Let's pray. Father, we we love you. And we surrender to you, the Father of spirits. We do not want to be like Esau. We don't want to be immoral. We don't want to be godless. Father, we want to be submitted to you.
in literally, Father, everything we do, we want to be submitted to you. And so, Lord, we just humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And we just surrender our hearts and our minds to your plans and to your purposes. And Father, I know that you are not judging. Well, I, I, you are the righteous judge. And so I, I, I know you are judging, but not in the way we perceive it as like a harshness. But there are things that are in and there are things that are out. And just like an umpire would judge the game saying that is in and that is out. That you have the right, Father, in my heart to judge what's in and out. And Father, even in my life, you have the right to judge what's in and what's out. And so, Father, we just come and we surrender to you, Lord Jesus. And if there's anything that needs to to come in, we invite it in. And if there's anything that needs to to go and to, to be out, we surrender it. And so, Lord Jesus, we just receive your love. To make these choices. And I, I know that, that, that none are, are easy. And, and some choices may even be sorrowful on our flesh. But afterwards, it yields the peace where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. And so, Father, we just yield to you. In all that we say, in all that we do, we yield to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just worship the Lord tonight.